0: Today is Wednesday, May 10th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Did you have an answered prayer in the past year? A surprising number of people say they did. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe, leave a rating, share it with a friend. You can email us, Podcast at cbn.org. And joining me now to get through the news of the cray, Trey Gomes Phillips, Billy Hallowell, What's going on, fellas? Happy hump day to y'all. What's
1: up? I can't believe it's Wednesday. And I can't believe it's not butter. Oh my god. <laughs> Breaking out of <laughs> <But I'm-> 1987. <laughs> Do you know that um well never mind, it's not worth talking uh, about. Just don't even go <laughs> <Let's> just- <laughs> <laughs> get- next next up we're gonna talk about Grey Papon. Uh, no, it was about Fabio. Oh my and You, you remember the <laughs> He did a commercial for them many years ago. And then he did a commercial for a roller coaster. I'm going into the story anyway. He went on a roller coaster at Busch Gardens in Williamsburg, Virginia, kind of where I'm from, (laughs) and to do this campaign for this roller coaster, and a bird hit him in the face. and broke his nose. Do you remember that?
0: We had all just forgotten it, and now you brought it, you made us remember it again. (laughs) So, America thanks you for that.
1: (laughs) It's a funny thing to just think about. I don't know why it lives rent-free in my mind, but it does.
0: (laughs) But it does. It does. All right. We got a lot coming up on the podcast today. Billy, what do we have on the focus story? Oh, boy. Well,
2: (laughs) on the focus story, we're going to be talking about PETA, uh, the animal-loving organization PETA, and what they are doing with the Bible. They're rewriting part of the Bible. (laughs) Okay. So there you go.
0: Oh, boy. I'm, I'm bracing for impact on that one. Also, on the main thing, we're going to talk to the CEO of Big Life, talking about Christian persecution in Afghanistan, but how the Lord's working amid the chaos there. All that and more coming up. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And despite reports of declining worship attendance after the pandemic, especially among younger people, a majority of Americans still say they pray. This is according to a new survey from the Radiant Foundation. 61% said they turn to God in prayer. And the survey also found that 50% of adults who pray do so at dawn. When they get up 55. at bet pretty, pretty even split there. But a whopping 87% of those who pray say they received an answer in the last 12 months, an answer to a prayer. And a violent uprising in the northern part of India has left 60 people dead. At least 50 churches burned down, internet blackouts, and orders for military personnel to shoot on site. Christians are caught in the crosshairs of that ongoing violence. Nearly 10,000 soldiers from the army have been deployed. 35,000 people have been evacuated. And an 18-year-old and a 24-year-old have both escaped from a Philadelphia prison. The manhunt's currently underway. They were gone 19 hours before someone noticed they were gone. One of the um the perpetrators is eighteen years old. He is accused of killing four people in three different shootings. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at cbnnews.com. This uh prayer poll, this survey that had come out, eighty-seven percent saying, Are you surprised by that number? The eighty-seven percent?
1: No, I don't you know, I don't think I'm surprised by it. I think it's it's encouraging, I guess, that eighty-seven percent of Americans report prayers having been answered. But I wonder yeah. too, like what's I would want to know what are the dynamics uh, of that study? What were the, you know, how were the questions asked and what was an answered prayer? You know, because I think so often now we live in this like new agey world that it's people are like, well, I've been manifesting this now for six months and it looks like my, my manifestation has been successful. So uh, if it's that kind of crazy stuff, then I don't know that I buy it. Um, But if it's actual prayers, I think that's, that's encouraging. And the truth is, is that the Lord and his word we've talked about many times never returns void, right? So if you're praying the promises of God as a believer – uh, the answer might not be what you thought it should be or what you wanted it to be. Uh, but the Lord will be faithful and answer your prayers. So I think it overall is a, it's an encouraging study.
2: I would say, you know, the 87%, my concern, like nothing surprises me, but my concern is like what, like Trey was saying, what are these people actually praying for and how are they praying? And are they assuming, well, I just manifested and wanted that to happen and it happened. So yay, you know, prayers. I, so that's, I don't know. I would need to know way more before yeah. I was excited excited about it.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Um, probably need some more answers or look closer into that study, exactly uh, how things were worded before we really know. But nevertheless, generally speaking, encouraging to see more people turning to prayer. We're going to head over to the focus story now. And speaking of negative, negative things in the news, and the animal rights group PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, they decided to rewrite the Bible. Billy, why why did they do this? <laughs>
2: Well, they put out a May 3rd statement claiming that they were going, quote, biblical and that they were using artificial intelligence, AI, chat, GPT, to rewrite the book of Genesis. And so they apparently wanted to give the Old Testament a modern makeover and they wanted to, quote, send a can't be missed animal rights message filled with vegan (laughs) teachings I mean, it's all oh. very exciting, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but they, you know, so what does this mean? I think that's really the question. Yep. What exactly is going on here? According to PETA, they they wanted to present a cruelty-free story of creation and appeal to Generation Z. They, they gave a statistic about Generation Z being very, very intrigued by the environment. And so I guess they're appealing to Gen Z by doing this. Um, and you know, look, they, they do a, a number of interesting things in here, but they didn't have time to rewrite the whole Bible just for comfort's sake. So everybody understands. So they just wanted to start small with Genesis. So that's where they are right
0: now. <laughs> oh, just the very short book of Genesis is, uh, <laughs> nothing happened in there, but what, what were some of the things that they were zeroing in on and the changes that were made?
2: Well, obviously, you know, Genesis is the creation story among a lot of other content, Uh, but they wanted to change some of the terms. So animals are referred to as beings rather than beasts or creatures. So where the Bible would call them a beast or a creature, they would change that out to being uh, plant fibers like hemp and bamboo. Those are used in place of animal skins. So we take away any of the animal skins that we see in Genesis, they're gone and you're going to be wearing bamboo and hemp. Um, and you know, th- there's other things along, along those lines. But interestingly, um, Abraham in Genesis 22, this is a very bizarre change. Uh, the patriarch is seen befriending a lamb rather than sacrificing a ram and the chapter before that, Abraham and Sarah, they apparently adopt a dog named Herbie. Now uh, that's very comforting and they they talk about I want a refund. They, they talk about the importance of adoption rather than buying dogs from pet stores, which didn't exist in case anybody wants to know during Abraham's time. So Those they've got they've the
0: just so they've removed so basically, Isaac dies, this is what happens here in their Bible. Does, well, uh, I have There's no, there's no read replacement it. there, and Isaac gets slaughtered. It's a, it's a different form <laughs> of replacement theology, Dan. Yeah. While
2: you're asking, uh, but yeah, no, it's. The, by the way, they call this book. It's called the book Peta's version of the creation story, and they're selling it for three dollars and ninety-nine cents to raise money for uh, the organization.
0: That is something. I mean, I'm, I'm imagining Billy that Peta does not have a an overall friendly or reverent view of the Bible. What? What? How would you describe? their look on scripture
2: you know it's hard to tell i don't know enough about the inner workings i could tell you a couple of things they tweeted on may 7th jesus would condemn the casual and constant torture and killing of animals and they got a lot of responses to that uh, they also the the president of peta ingrid newkirk she said quote the bible has long been used to justify all forms of oppression." So we've, so we've used chat GPT to make it clear that a loving God would never endorse exploitation of or cruelty to animals. So it's hard to tell exactly where they stand. They say the Bible was used, but here they are using the Bible for their own purposes.
0: Yes, and, and redefining what a loving God is. They just have made up their own version of God. Even though they didn't create anything in the universe to justify being able to do so. All right, now look, we know that Peta. As Christians, we're not looking to Peta for our spiritual um, guidance and enlightenment. Speak for yourself. yourself, Okay. Okay. I won't stop you. Okay. Actually, I will stop you. I'll run and tackle you before you open your Peta Bible. But, um, (laughs) but why? Why? So why should we be concerned about this? Right. If we if we're generally looking at it, these are some crazy you know, non-Christian kooks, essentially, doing this, why Why should we be concerned?
2: Right. Well, I mean, look, even, there may be some people there who would call themselves Christians, but I don't know. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't be adding or taking away from Scripture, right? I mean, that's right. something we're not supposed to be doing. And we're told in Second Timothy 3.16, the Bible's God-breathed, which means God put it together through human, he used human beings. He put this book together for us. It tells us that the Bible is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training and righteousness. I mean, all of that elevates the Bible to a place where we certainly shouldn't be putting it through AI and asking (laughs) it to put in stories about purchasing dogs, you know, for adopting dogs i mean so I, I think though for real this is you know it's spiritually dangerous i think in that we don't want to be tinkering with the bible in this way even if we're doing it for quote-unquote fun or to raise
1: money for something who asked for this i, I don't I think, know who asked for this version of genesis one and two why is the dog named herbie and <laughs> no and one names three dog herbie. i <laughs> Sorry if your dog is named Herbie. I apologize. Yeah. I mean, Herbie is a good name. It's just, uh, that's a fine name for your pet. But why did they pick Herbie? (laughs) It doesn't, like, not even a New Testament, I mean, an Old Testament type name. Right. Um, (laughs) Right. So, you know, I just thought that was odd. But also, I guess they're just approaching Genesis as, like, a novel, right? Because. Yeah by completely dismissing sacrifices and no, no more animal sacrifices. It's like completely misunderstanding what the purpose was of the sacrifice, which Mm -hmm. is to cleanse, cleanse them, cleanse the, the early believers in God of their sins before Jesus came, obviously. But, and, well, also, and it points to isn't, Christ, right? All
0: of the sacrifices exactly, point, essentially, to point to Christ. So it's all tied together. So if you and remove isn't, that.
1: Isn't Jesus pretty uh PETA friendly? I mean, he came and not only did, I know I'm kind of making light of this, which is <laughs> dangerous, but so Jesus came, of course, and he, he redeemed all of us. He justified us. He paid the price that we couldn't pay, but also he eliminated the need for animal sacrifices. So right. he saved the animals too. So I did Overall, I think the arc of scripture is already pretty pro-animal. <laughs> you don't need to completely rewrite it right. into some sort of blasphemous text. Yes. But I do think it's it's good that we're aware. You know? Yeah,
0: agreed. I mean, look, again, we're going through the Old Testament and our annual reading here of Scripture, and how many times do, does Israel lose its way? They forget about what happened to all the things that God did for them, getting them out of Egypt, getting them in there, giving them this land. They forget it time and time again. So, you know, you think compounding this, all these different times that people warp Scripture, and then AI with to where a press of a button, and you can completely change it. What happens generations down the road? I mean, it could be so watered down that nobody even knows what the real one actually is. So it's important to stick to it and, and know where these deviations are so appreciate you bringing that one on the focus story and we're going to move over to the main thing now and john hirima the ceo of the missionary and humanitarian organization big life shares with trey the horrors of christian persecution in afghanistan how the lord is working amid the chaos there and what faith under immense pressure truly looks like that's today's main thing
1: John Hirama, you're the CEO of Big Life. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today?
3: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on.
1: Oh, I I so appreciate you being here. So for people who don't know what Big Life is, or they're not familiar with the kind of work that you do, before we get into the details of of this particular campaign that y'all are working on in Afghanistan, tell us a little bit about what Big Life is.
3: Sure thing. It's Big Lives is is a disciple-making ministry. We empower believers worldwide to reach and disciple their own people for Jesus. You know, who's the best people to reach Pakistan? It's Pakistanis. You know, they already know the language and they know the culture. They they don't run away from the danger, they run towards the danger because it's their own people and they're passionate about their own people. So currently we're serving in 147 countries around the world. And um, you know, our our goal is to see the world turned upside down with radical disciples just reaching, you know, the least and the last and the lost.
1: Mm. You know, most recently, y'all have identified 600 plus families, which is thousands and thousands of people, predominantly women and children, uh, who are in harm's way in Afghanistan. They're under threat from the Taliban. And as a a Westerner, I just imagine uh, there's so much going on in the Middle East. It's pure chaos right now, uh, particularly since the withdrawal from the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. How did y'all even go about the work of identifying these families?
3: Yeah, it's actually our guys on the ground, you know, shortly before, um, you know, Afghanistan collapsed, we were asked by some of the former military guys about getting their informants out and their interpreters out. And then the, the airport obviously was bombed after that. So because of the boots on the ground, we had the opportunity to run towards the danger and run towards the issues and, and help get people out. Since that time, it just kept on growing to a large number. So we ended up relocating over 52,000 people. However, recently, uh, there's been over 8,000 people identified that are just being, you know, persecuted in a huge way. The Taliban's coming in, questioning the men, killing them, and in the past, they never touched the, the women or the children, but now they're also attacking them. So these are underground believers, they're part of the underground church network in Afghanistan, and the only hope for them through this chaos is to get them out of the country. So, you know, chaos leads to opportunity. I still believe with all my heart that since the fall of Afghanistan, this is the greatest opportunity of our lifetime to reach Afghans. And we're seeing people putting their trust in Jesus like never before.
1: Hmm. What a a good perspective to have, right? And I think that's a a biblical perspective is is whenever there's chaos going on, the one anchor, the one hope that we have is Jesus Christ. So using the opportunity of what's happening on the ground uh, to disciple and to share our faith with people, I think is so important. And I'm curious how you got involved in this work. Why is this something that you're personally passionate about?
3: Well, you know, that wasn't the intention. Um, I happened to receive a phone call one Saturday morning uh, and it was from from a uh, former military guy serving in Afghanistan that was part of the task force, Pineapple, and um, very concerned about the people he was serving with before he left the country and concerned about uh, the impact that we've had since the withdrawal of our forces and just asked us if there's anything we could do to help. We talked to our to our leaders on the ground in Afghanistan, and they absolutely wanted to run towards the uh, opportunities. And that's really how we got started. So it was, it was right before the bombing uh, of the airport in Kabul that uh, we started getting involved in working with them. And then it turned out to trying to really work with uh, a lot of the other organizations, getting their people out, and then the underground believers. We were encouraging our people to stay because of the opportunities that exist uh, reaching people right now. But um, it actually turned into relocating Muslims as well, because they're being targeted for whatever reasons by the Taliban. And once we got them relocated and they started feeling safe again, they started asking those questions, you know, why did you help us? And it was the perfect opening to give opportunity to bring truth into their lives and see the Lord just already stirring in their lives and then draw them close.
1: You know, I think to an unbeliever, it looks like a happy accident when things like this happen, when faith-based organizations end up being at the right place at the right time. But as believers, I think we can look back and we can see that it's providential, it's divine that God had his hand and was working behind the scenes. Can you talk a little bit about how you've seen the Lord orchestrating this? Because it it wasn't necessarily something you imagined, as you said, that he would be in this position today working alongside uh, para-governmental organizations and, and all all of these other things uh, to help these Afghans.
3: Yeah, it's been crazy. Year and half. It's actually been the hardest thing we've ever been involved in. Uh, you know, we've been working in Afghanistan since 2008 um, and identifying the people that the Lord had already been stirring in and already drawn to himself and then empowering them to reach their own people. But we, a lot of our staff members now are former extremists. So they mm. know, you know, what life is like. Before they had the opportunity to to bring Christ into their lives, and and they are the greatest disciple makers I've ever seen in my life. They 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 tell us all the time. They say, you know, we weren't afraid to die for we we weren't afraid to die for a lie. Now that we know truth, you can't stop us. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, they know the language. They certainly know the culture, but they run towards the danger instead of running away. And I think that's what happens a lot of times. You know, when the chaos happens, a lot of organizations run away because of the danger. But using the indigenous, you know, gives us the opportunity that they are passionate about running towards the problem, the danger. And I don't think they would have let us change our minds even if we tried. So that's that's really how we got involved and stayed involved. And and now they're the ones that came to us and said, "Hey, there's these eight thousand people that are just being brutally persecuted."
1: Hey, what an what an incredible story to see someone literally walk from death into life, even though they're in such a uh, such a war-torn and, and chaotic place. To see them walk away from the lie, as you said, and into the truth, uh, that, that's just such an incredible testimony to be able to see uh, firsthand. Uh, I'm curious what the believers on the ground who are in need, what do they talk about most? What do they ask for most, either in prayer or resources? What are they most desperately in need of?
3: well as far as you know the, the people serving in afghanistan for us you know their their biggest request are more bibles uh you know god's word penetrates the greatest darkness and then also prayer but they when they, when they ask us to pray they they ask us not to pray for per- persecution to stop but to pray for strength through the persecution because persecution brings opportunity so i think um you know for the average believer in Afghanistan you know their day to day now is just basically being in hiding you know Taliban's going door to door if they find a bible if they find a cross if they find anything that will connect them to Christianity they would be killed on the spot and you know we don't hear about that much but we've lost 14 leaders in the last several weeks we also know of about 77 believers from the underground church network that have been killed in addition to that so you know, for whatever reason, it's just not getting around as far as what's really happening still a year and a half later. But the persecution of Christians is at an all-time high in Afghanistan.
1: You know, for, for Westerners, as an American, we've had the blessing of not facing the kind of persecution that our brothers and sisters in other countries are enduring. So when I hear uh, that they're asking for prayer, not for persecution to end, but for, uh, the faith to persevere through persecution. That just is kind of mind boggling to me. How has that challenged your own faith?
3: I I've been ruined by the way these guys go about their day. You know, they, they wake up every morning knowing they could be killed that day. i have learned some of the greatest lessons from these guys and men and women over there. And, um, yeah, I think the greatest lesson I learned was from a former extremist leader, and he looked, at, uh, looked us in the eye, and he says, you know, you and I are different, and in the back of our minds, we're thinking, you used to kill people, and he goes, I read my Bible, and I go do it, and I gain my understanding through my obedience, because it seems in the West people read the Bible, but they need to understand it before they're willing to be obedient, Delayed obedience is disobedience. And then he he looked at us and he goes, do you trust the Lord to give you the understanding as you walk out in faith? And it rocked our world. It actually changed the way that big life even, you know, went forward uh, serving in these different countries. John, thank
1: you so much for, for leading the charge there and for all the work that you uh, and all of the missionaries who are overseas, who are working in Afghanistan and other countries, uh, all the efforts that they're doing. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk with us about it.
3: I appreciate it, Trey. And thanks for getting the word out what's really happening. But, you know, I have the easy job. It's the guys on the ground, the, the men and women on the ground who are running towards these issues that uh, are really leading the work and doing the amazing things. Lord has just anointed them.
0: All right, Trey, thanks for that interview there. Very important discussion. I mean, we all saw in the wake of America pulling out, the Biden administration pulling out, just the disastrous consequences of that pulling off of the Band-Aid. And, you know, it's something we need to be praying about for sure because there's so many Christians Mm -hmm. trapped there and it's just a horrible, horrible uh, place to be trapped um, with, with a violent, regime like the Taliban in Charger. So appreciate that one there. That leaves us with time here for one last thing. We're going to take a look at James 5, 13 through 16, which reads, Is any um, anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So just given our conversation about prayer earlier, Trey, I just thought this was a fitting spot to leave it on talking about the mighty things that God will accomplish through prayer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the whole book of James is convicting to me because it's it's our faith in action, right? It's it's the fruit of what our faithfulness should look like. And a, a flourishing prayer life is is a one of the major fruits of a flourishing Christian life, so mm-hmm. I think. And we live in a culture that constantly wants to put down prayer. So any reminder of the value and power of prayer is is a great thing to to dwell on and focus on.
0: Absolutely. Great place to uh Leave it on the podcast today as you start your day. If you haven't yet, start it with prayer. And we appreciate you being here each and every weekday morning, 7 a.m. As We get through the news of that cray each and every weekday morning. Lord willing, in that creek, don't rise. We shall be back here tomorrow with more of the same. God bless. See you then.